0: Chapter Two of the Pocket Measure by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Two Their Jewels. Among Mrs. Callie's wedding presents had been an elegant velvet covered, gold mounted jewel case, the gift of one of her school friends. Callie had smiled when she saw it, and speculated as to the amount it had cost, and wondered when she would be likely to possess jewels elegant enough to repose in such grandeur. The plain gold watch she wore, and the simple pin and cuff buttons that did duty every day, comprised the extent of her stock. On the very morning after the new covenant relations had been entered into, Callie went, with bright eyes, to the clothes press shelf, where, for want of a better place, she had set the beauty, carefully wrapped in many papers, took off its wrappings, turned the tiny golden key, and looked in on the delicate pink cotton reposing there with intense satisfaction. She had suddenly fallen heir to jewels which she meant should sparkle therein. She took it downstairs with her and set it on the parlor mantel, while she robed the little dining-table and prepared the morning meal. The tea-kettle was already singing, and the aroma of coffee and faint odors of delicately browning toast presently filled the air it was as complete a little photograph of Eden as Warren Spafford cared to see. So he thought at that moment, as he pushed open the side door, letting in the fresh morning air, and bearing in either hand a scuttle of coal and a pail of water, that were to save the steps of the presiding genius of Eden during the day. These were fresh, healthy young lives, and the prose, which had constantly to interfere, had no way jarred the poetry that they felt sure they were living. His wife turned toward him with sparkling eyes. "'Oh, Warren, I have such a nice idea. Isn't this the day your month's salary is due?' "'The very day, you small miser. I expect to bring it home with me this evening. Do you burn to spend it?' "'Just as fast as I can,' she said gaily. "'But see here,' and she brought out the blue velvet treasure." "'Warren, don't you know how we laughed over poor Florrie's gift, and wondered what use we should ever make of it? I have thought of a use. You know that five dollars, the tenth? Well, could you bring it to me in little bits of gold dollars, and let me keep it in here for our jewels? Then I'll wear the key on my chain, and whenever we want to give, the money will be at hand.' "'Until it is spent,' he said in a tone of intense amusement." five little bits of gold dollars every month. Our boards can surely pay off their debts when they hear of it. My dear Callie, I hadn't the least idea you were so sentimental. Wouldn't it be a great deal more prudent to keep the money in the savings bank, and draw it as you have need? I will be patient with it. I truly don't think it is a fortune, and I presume the idea is just as silly and unbusinesslike as possible." but I do so like the thought of seeing our little gold offering nestling in that pretty box, and thinking that they are the Lord's jewels, and he will guide the using. For a moment her husband was entirely silent. Then he said, in a low tone, Whether it is sentimentality or not, it moves me strangely. Perhaps we are both sentimental, and perhaps it is, even in so small a thing, the Lord's leading. We will put the jewels there, dear, and they shall be his. It was the next morning that Mrs. Spafford, having set her small house in completest order, arrayed herself for the street, and then sat down in the parlor opposite that box wherein she knew gleamed five golden jewels, pencil and paper in hand, prepared to plan her battle with life at forty-five dollars a month. At her feet sat the small market basket in which was to be placed her purchases for the day. The question to be determined was, what could she afford to buy? Let me see, she said, making small swift figures. She was as rapid an accountant in her way as her husband was in his. Thirty-one days in a month. I mean to count in that way, when I shall have a little surplus for extras when those good months come that have only thirty and on that blessed February we'll have a real feast. I entered into a speculation. Her husband had explained the night before, when the monthly salary was talked over. I discovered that by buying a month's car tickets in advance, I could get them for two dollars. That is a saving of eight cents a month, ninety-six cents a year, I want you to understand, and you will have the goodness to give me credit for the same on your day book." This sentence, gotten off with many a flourish, ended in a laugh, in which Callie joined before she said, "'Now we can laugh, but really that is worth a good deal. Suppose by careful management we can save a dollar a year on each of our expenditures. We could keep a savings bank account against that rainy day that people are so fond of getting ready for.' I know I have met people who, it seemed to me, would rather trust their rainy day fund than the Lord. Keep a bank account by all means if possible, her husband had answered, and he had gone away with a laugh that he did not mean his wife should know covered a little sigh. No one would have liked better than he to so fill her purse that she should have no need to puzzle her brains about the small economies with which he thought he foresaw her life was to be filled. But she, with serene brow, sat this morning fingering the bills that all told amounted to forty three dollars. Forty three dollars to be divided between thirty one days gives me one dollar and thirty eight cents a day, and almost one cent over. That one cent shall be counted on the savings bank fund. I will have one if Warren does laugh at me. He shall not know anything about it until some dreary day when the wind is blowing and the rain is driving against the windows, he staggers home and tells me he is on the eve of failure, and I bring out my savings bank book and show him that the sum exactly meets his awful needs, a la dime novel style. Whereupon she laughed aloud a free, glad laugh that covered no thought of a sigh. She even rejoiced that her husband's position, as a mere clerk, saved him from any fear of bankruptcy. Callie Spafford had that sweet, rare spirit which knows how to find cause for joy in each of the appointments of life. Seventy-five cents a day ought to buy our food and the fuel to cook it with. I wonder if it will. "'Dear me, I keep forgetting Warren's lunch downtown. What a pity he has to do that. I could furnish him with a so much nicer one at cheaper rates. Well, twenty-five cents a day for that is seven dollars and seventy-five cents a month. What dreadful creatures figures are! They go and multiply themselves so unfeelingly before one. Now I just wonder if we could have breakfasts and suppers each day on the fifty cents left.' As for my dinner, that won't amount to much. Who wants to eat dinners all alone? I don't mean to starve, and I don't mean to have Warren think anything looks starved, but what is the harm in my experimenting as to what can be done? I've wanted to try it ever since I boarded with poor Mrs. Perkins, and she gave us tough beefsteak and sour baker's bread, or, at all events, baker's sour bread, at three cents and a half a week and lost money every blessed week. I don't believe a word of it. I mean, I don't believe she managed matters as she might if she hadn't spent so much time weeping over the hardness of her lot. Now, Callie Spafford, shoulder your market basket and see what you can do for a hungry family at fifty cents a day. It shall be that until further notice at least. "'Oh, there is Callie Howell!' a clear voice exclaimed, as the young matron, market-basket in hand, entered the narrow court, which, at that end of the city, served as a market-place. The voice belonged to one of the dear five hundred friends of her maidenhood, none of them so very dear, yet she was glad to see them all. This one, Jenny West by name, was one with whom she had, perhaps, been least familiar, so far as real friendship goes." but there was a ring of gladness in the voice. Everybody had liked Callie Howell. The brisk young bookkeeper, near whom she was standing, was the first to respond, "'Miss Jenny, I am shocked at your familiarity. Don't you know that is not Callie Howell at all, but Mrs. Warren Spafford?' "'Yes, she is Callie Howell. I am going to forget that she has gone and spoiled our circle by consenting to be an old married woman.' and, market-place though it was, Miss Jenny, who was perhaps at all times a trifle too loud-voiced, came forward eagerly and bestowed her hearty greetings, even to kisses, upon the little market-woman. "'A market-basket,' she said, still speaking in loud tones. "'Do you do your own marketing? How very funny!' "'Why, who would do it, my child?' the matron said, in no wise discomposed, and she looked at the yellow feet and pink ruffle of a chicken lying near with the air of a skilled market woman. Mr. Spafford has to take the seven o'clock car down. He has little time for family duties. What is poultry worth today? I'd make him get up early then and do it all before seven o'clock, Miss Jenny interposed. Isn't housekeeping horrid, Callie? I know all about it, Mother was away for three weeks, and I had all the care of the house. I thought I should die, certainly, and things got themselves into the awfulest confusion while she was gone. Oh, my! It makes me shiver to think of those three weeks. Mother said she never saw such a house. "'How much hired help does your mother keep?' queried Mrs. Spafford, with an amused smile. "'Why, we only keep two girls.' and you know we have a large house to look after and quite a family it is too much i wonder that mother doesn't die it nearly killed me now honestly callie howell you needn't laugh at me you always did laugh at me you know i was completely worn out and had to come up here to rest mrs evans is trying to nurse me up do you know mrs evans you ought to she belongs right here in your neighborhood mrs evans mrs spafford she is my dearest friend callie or she used to be before she was so foolish as to get married and wear her life out with housekeeping how you girls can do it is beyond me i don't believe we feel in the least like martyrs mrs bafford said laughing as she acknowledged this public introduction by a cordial grasp of the hand the slight fair-faced woman with a somewhat perplexed face and unnaturally flushed cheeks, was the same who had attracted her admiring attention in church the Sabbath before. The marketplace was an unpleasantly public one in which to form new acquaintances, but very little in the way of propriety could be expected from Jenny West, so she accepted the situation, laughing meantime over the thought that the gay young girl, the very picture of blooming health, had come up to be nursed by this fair, frail woman. Meantime, Jenny had jumped to an entirely different line of thought. "'Oh, Eva, here are strawberries. Don't they look perfectly lovely? Who would have expected to see them so early? Why, they fairly make my mouth water. You must have some of them for dessert. They will be delightful with cream and sponge cake. Eva, my dear, attend to business don't you see the treasures will all be gone in a few minutes?' This last, with a touch on the lady's arm, and a pretty affectation of importance, as Mrs. Evans, with cheeks heightened in color, appeared to be absorbed in examining some scaly fish. Meantime, the class of customers who were always eager for things out of season, was surrounding the strawberries. Mrs. Spafford, meantime, seemed to have forgotten her chicken— and was watching Mrs. Evans with thoughtful eyes. She turned at Jenny's peremptory summons, with the flush still deepening and with a hesitating air. "'I don't know,' she said doubtfully. "'Well, you will know in a few minutes,' with a half-impatient little laugh. "'They all will be gone, and that will settle the question for you. Callie, don't you want a box of these strawberries for your market-basket?' Mrs. Spafford was glad for this question, and answered promptly, No, indeed, I am too wise a housekeeper even to inquire the price. The idea of any but millionaires buying strawberries at this time of year. Even then I fancy I could find happier ways of disposing of my money. Oh, you horrid little miser! You were always saving your pocket money in school. I thought you would get over that habit when you took a husband to support you. Callie paid no attention to this sentence, though the tone was so loud that ordinarily it would have annoyed her, on the score of good breeding. She was engaged in watching the effect of her words on Mrs. Evans, and was glad to see a little letting up of the look of pained perplexity, and to hear her answer her gay tormentor's next appeal with something like decision. "'I believe, Jenny, the strawberries are too expensive for my purse to-day,' "'I didn't get enough money from Dane for any special extras this morning.' "'Oh, you horrid housekeepers!' said Jenny, with a becoming little pout. "'What a prosy life you must live, counting the pennies "'and asking your husbands whenever you want even a strawberry. "'I wouldn't be in your shoes for the world.' "'It is well you are a privileged person, Jenny,' "'Mrs. Spafford answered her, laughing.' For herself, she was as indifferent as possible to what the saucy, foolish tongue might say, but it was evident that Mrs. Evans winced under it. She looked worn and harassed, and Callie, as she watched her, felt an unaccountable pity stealing into her heart for the pale woman, and made a sudden resolve to shield her further, if necessary, from Jenny's attacks. Perhaps she hasn't made a pencil and paper calculation this morning as to what she will spend and what she won't, and so feels weak. This she told herself by way of excusing her companionship, and then plunged boldly in. Isn't poultry unaccountably high this morning? I was going to indulge in a nice little chicken for our dinner tonight, but really I can't afford it much better than the strawberries. You see, with a bright little smile— although I have been keeping house for myself, but one day, I am nevertheless a practical housekeeper, and I don't like to waste money on extravagant purchases. I don't believe I should if I had the money to spend, which I haven't. Mrs. Evans regarded her with a sudden accession of interest. Are you really a practical housekeeper? she asked. I wish I were. I have been keeping house for three months, but I didn't know anything about it when I commenced, and I don't seem to have learned a great deal. How did you learn? Mother and I kept house together for ten years. I was a school girl most of the time and a teacher during the last two years, but still I was my mother's market woman, confidential clerk, and, a good deal of the time, her cook and table waiter, so I learned all about it. My mother was a wonderful teacher." "'And does your mother live with you now?' A swift, tender shadow passed over the bright face, and the voice dropped lower. She went away to her home a little more than a year ago. Mrs. Evans reached forth her hand and laid it impulsively on Callie's. "'My mother died nearly two years ago, but I miss her so.' There was a real heart-cry in this sentence." Jenny's loud voice recalled them to practical life. "'Come, you two are sentimentalizing, I believe, and the result will be you will neither of you have anything for dinner unless I help. After all, I believe I could make a better housekeeper than either of you. Will Coleman, can't you come here and figure out the respective dinners of these two matrons? They are in danger of starving unless some judicious person comes to their aid.' Thus challenged, the young bookkeeper got down from his perch, came over and shook hands with Mrs. Spafford, and chatted with Jenny. He was a recent importation to that end of the city, from the main store downtown. He had known Callie Howell in their set as a teacher, and he had the same feeling of hearty respect for her that she had always inspired. He did not feel sufficiently intimate with her to suggest her bill of fare, still he was in no sense averse to a chat with miss jenny truth to tell he had been no uninterested listener to the queer snatches of conversation that had been going on he was a rapid accountant and if miss jenny had but known it a good deal of mental arithmetic had been gotten through with during the 5 minutes he had speculated as to the probable amount of warren spafford's salary the probable house rent he paid the possible cost of living with such a manager as Callie Howell at the head of affairs, all the while giving certain thoughtful glances toward Miss Jenny, that showed whither his hopes were tending. And then, as she acknowledged her dislike for the cares of housekeeping, her ignorance of details, and exhibited her utter disregard for small economies, not to say her contempt for the same, He had drawn a little sigh and plunged into the column of figures before him. Still, he liked to get down from his stool and come and talk with Miss Jenny. He liked also to think that she was a friend of Callie Spafford. That lady, meantime, had really not been idle. She had given certain swift glances up and down the rows of eatables, made her mental calculation, determined what she could have and what she couldn't, and was now prepared to act accordingly. Is the poultry very high? questioned Mrs. Evans, in a sudden confidential whisper. I think Jenny is fond of it. Ruinously high, and not very good at that. If Jenny were my guest, she would have to wait for prices to lower. That is true, she added brightly, as Jenny caught the sentence and shook her pretty, curly head. "'Spoil all my plans,' said Jenny, with another pretty affectation of a pout, while Mrs. Evans looked in admiring awe at her new friend for daring to avow her economies so boldly. Then Jenny, with a sudden bright smile, "'If you'll buy some of that asparagus, I'll desert Eva altogether and go home with you to dinner.' Mrs. Evans blushed crimson in deprecation of her friend's rudeness, but Callie promptly shook her head. Your tastes are simply ruinous, she said gaily. Not even for the pleasure of having you to lunch with me can I be guilty of such treason. You see, I held a conference with my purse before I started from home this morning, and I know exactly what amount I can spend today, and it won't include chicken or asparagus or strawberries. Asparagus is good for digestion, said Jenny, pointing. So is a clear conscience, laughed Callie, and the trio separated. Chapter two